Hello. <coughs> Hi, John. <laughs> Hi, Merlin. <coughs> <laughs> How are you? Uh, it's early. It's early. I know it's early. I. <sighs> I drove all night. Hmm. I drove just, just to uh, be here with me. Yeah, I did. I did. I was in Portland uh, last night at like one thirty in the morning, and I drove home, and it was it was a rainstorm. How, how long a drive is that? Remind me. That's three hour drive. Ugh. But uh, but it was a rainstorm, and I, I haven't really been to sleep. Oh no, I'm sorry. Well, listen, we'll we'll, we'll keep this we'll keep this short. I appreciate you no, being no, no. here. It's great. I I, I uh, I've got uh, I've got Ted Nugent's Wango Tango going in my head on purpose. Uh, no, it just popped in there. I just started. I just started going. The Maserati. It's a Maserati. He's got a. He's got a flair for a, a hook. He does. He does not have a lyric writing flair. That's a free for all. Because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's he's gotten by on the strength for a pretty long time. You know, he's gotten by on the fact that his guitar can shoot the balls off of a rhinoceros at 150 yards. Mm. He seems like he's got a lot to prove, mainly to himself. Yeah, yeah. Think? He's a guy. He's a guy that needs a punch in the nose, and hmm. by punch in the nose, I mean crossbow, crossbow to the nose, <laughs> crossbow bolt to the nose. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys. Like I don't know a lot about him. I know yeah. he had some role in that awesome journey, to, journey to the center of your mind song when he was, yeah. I guess, like twelve. He but, uh, he got his he he became the legal guardian of his teenage girlfriend. Oh, that's sweet. Now, how do you, is that? Hmm. Where does he live? Do you know? Do you have a sense of that? Well, I, I guess like Montana. Upstate, no, like Michigan or upstate somewhere, some midwestern upstate place. Mm-hmm. But he he had he had some girlfriend who was like thirteen, and he went to her parents and he said, "Listen, this is going to go one of a couple of ways. Whoa. I think you should just make me her le- legal guardian." What really? Yeah, and, and they, they, acqu- they acquiesced. Yeah, and then he was just. He was just walking around with his little, really teenage girlfriend. Like not like, like not like a little teenaged. She was not a little teenaged. She was fully teenaged. Ugh. She was one hundred percent early teens. Man, these. Hmm. It was the seventies. You could do a lot of. Oh, okay. So she's a lot of shit. Are they still together? To your knowledge, they were together for a long time. It was a Mary Kay Letourneau situation where, mm-hmm. where when the when the young person became. Of uh, when she gained her majority, as we say, mm-hmm. uh, they stayed together. I, wh- whether or not happily, or whether it was a chained in the basement situation, I can't say. They never invited me over. You know, if you if you go and you're going to go, I don't know, uh, you know, talk to Tatalia or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if if somebody walks in and smiles and puts a sidearm on the table, it changes the conversation. I just think being in a an upstate home filled with weapons will over time change your perception of what's okay you're gonna get a little bit of uh the stockholm syndrome i believe that's a terrific phrase yeah i've had that i went into a room one time uh and a guy put a gun on the table Mm. and let me tell you merlin it did change the the tenor of the conversation you're a man who knows what a gun can do well I don't have. I have never been shot. Yeah, but I mean, you, I you take. It, it seems bullets. to me like like my late father, who was a, a, a sportsman and taught gun safety classes. He was a, an Eagle Scout. Like he, he was a real outdoorsy guy. He's from that generation when you would be in the NRA because you didn't want people to die. You know, oh yeah, the NRA, the NRA like, was a safety organization. <laughs> yeah, 
It's funny. It was a funny time in the sixties. He was also in Ducks Unlimited, which was about keeping. Uh, it was an early conservation group in a lot of ways, because so that you could still shoot the ducks. You didn't want the ducks to die. You want to keep. You want to keep nature so that there are ducks, so that you can shoot them. You know the Republicans used to be good guys. You know. Hmm. Okay. So all I'm saying is, it strikes me that you're a man who's seen. You, you're familiar. Again, this is like this is like the guy. The there will be consequences guy. Like mm-hmm. he's never gotten. A really serious punch in the nose, and so he he talks about consequences without really understanding what that means, right? And you you understand somebody puts a, I, I'm guessing a pistol on the table. It was a pistol, yeah. Hmm. So, you know, I was at a I was at a bar one time with a good friend of mine who was uh, he was one of the um, he was one of those guys that works the crab boats like you see on the television, mm-hmm. and uh, this was in the heyday of the crabbing era in Alaska where. An eighteen-year-old guy could make fifty thousand dollars in three months, and yeah, you talked about this where you could be like just a kid and come and get paid cash, you know? Yeah, just just crazy amounts of money. And and we went to a bar one time, and he asked my sister to dance, and uh, <laughs> and they danced for a little bit up, kind of close to the stage. And there was a band, there was a band playing kind of you know reggae ska or whatever. And at a certain point, he he like he realized that he couldn't dance as well as he wanted to with the gun tucked in the waistband of his pants. So he, t- he took the gun out and he put it on the stage <laughs> so that he could dance with my sister better, you know, just kind of like tucked it, tucked it behind the monitors on the stage so that he, like could he was dance. taking off a heavy coat. Yeah. He was just like, Oh man, this thing is going to slide down in my underwear. Now, when you're, when you're in crab country and you're dancing with a lady and you want to have a little more freedom of movement, you take your, take out your, your pistol and you, and you put it on the stage yeah. that do you, you get a, is that just the kind of thing that happens there? Uh, I you was don't, in you the don't bar. see a lot of that at the uh, Jack Pine. I was in the bar at the time and, uh, it did not escape notice. I think the band was a little bit freaked out, dun, dun, but they, dun, but, dun, they dun, but they kept, they kept skying away. My sister <laughs> thought it was hilarious. I mean, this is a good, this is a good buddy of mine who who just was suffering through a period, which in his case lasted 15 years, a period of compromised judgment. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 15-year-long period where he had no judgment of any kind. Mm. And this was, but, the, but, but confusingly, or maybe, I mean, maybe this says more about Alaska in the 80s than, than um, or it says maybe all you need to say about Alaska in the 80s, but he was not expelled from the bar. No, he did not, the song did not stop. And I think he fin- they finished dancing, and he put the gun back in his pants, and <laughs> and the night went on. Like there well, it's it was not, like not-, he, not like he skipped out on his tab. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't like a, a needle across a record situation. It was the, like the, this oh. is the thing about life, John. Is that you? I think one thing that that is a problem for people is that they understand or they think they understand their world, and mm-hmm. they have observed or constructed a bunch of perhaps real or often make-believe rules about how things could go. And when things diverge from that is when they get super freaky, and that's why those people are super freaky a lot. It's like people who think it's safe to drive 19 miles per hour on a highway. That is about – that. you know what? If if everybody's driving 90, you're not being safe. I've been dealing with those people for the last 16 hours because it's been – it's raining like crazy up here. Seattle drivers are already terrible. The rain is not a thing we're unaccustomed to, but when it really starts coming down, we just people get into this mode of like the safest lane to be in is the fast lane, and the safest speed is forty miles an hour. Mm-hmm. It's like neither one of those statements is true. Mm-mm. The safest lane for you to be in is your driveway with the engine off. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm driving, you know, I'm trying to just get around town. And it is a hydroplaning situation. Cars are hydroplaning. Is it so? It's just, has it? I, I know There's, at least in Florida, if it didn't rain for a while, when it very first rained, it would kind of I don't know, like leach the oil out of the road, and everything got extra crazy. There's that, but there's also just straight up four inches of water on the roads. Oh, so so cars are. It's definitely a squirrely situation. But when your car hydroplanes, you do not. It's the same rules that we have discussed many times. You do not touch the brakes. Mm-hmm. You do not. You do not panic. You do not shake your Don't don't panic and don't start steering all over the place. Yeah, you just keep keep driving, keep keep going. It's fine. You're you're fine. You know, but but no one seems to get that, and it's just all all day long. All these people that should have just stayed home. If you can't if you can't get to where you're going safely, just stay home. Take a day off from work. Watch TV. Mm-hmm. Make some nachos. But they're out imperiling people. Almost makes you wish there were a like a a second like a junior highway. I mean, if Eisenhower or whomever had had a lot of forethought, you know, mm-hmm. I like don't know. frontage road. You're saying, yeah. Well, you know how like sometimes you have like a service road, yeah, an that, access that road mostly runs alongside of a highway. Maybe those people that could be like a kind of a putt putt version of a highway driving, where they could just <laughs> kind of get acquainted, you know, hit it between Lincoln's legs and try not to. But here's the, here's the problem with that, and, I, and we've seen this at, at TSA. Oh. In airports where they say, okay, this is the green lane. The green Ugh. lane is for people who have never left the house before. The green lane is for people who, uh, you know, who had a frontal lobotomy or have 14 kids or who, ha- who are escorting. <laughs> each, like- each kid is carrying a quart of water. <laughs> yeah. Or who are escorting like 30 grandmothers on their first trip from Singapore. Here's the green lane. You go there. Then the blue lane is for people who are just like generally competent people. They have been on an airplane before, but maybe they don't know where their keys are. And then there's the black diamond lane for people <laughs> who are who have who, who travel with no luggage at everybody's all. Everybody's mad and everybody's ready. They are fucking ninjas. They are CIA agents and they are rock stars and they are moving, moving, moving. And then so TSA sets this up and then they do not appoint the simple person to stand at the head of the line and say, um, miss, you are not a black diamond traveler. Let us be honest. Let us move over here into this air. Let the black, the black diamond people all have a look on their face. Mm-hmm. Like they have a oh, look I'm, on their face. I'm, I'm that guy. I, you know, you know me, John, I am not by and large a competitive person, but I am, I become extremely competitive, mostly with myself in that, in that line. I went three years without causing a beep. And, mm-hmm. and I not only, here's the thing, not only do I not inconvenience others, not only do I grab extra, extra crates and have it ready for everybody. I know to move, keep everything moving, moving, keep moving. Move, keep I keep moving, moving forward, keep but, I'm, but I'm there to help out. I'm throwing a line. And I, yeah. man, I got eye of the tiger in that line. Yeah, I don't even use a bin anymore. I walk up, I throw my keys through the X-ray machine. I stand at one end and I huck them, <laughs> and then I'm through the fucking thing. Before you know, they don't even they don't wave it's me. Like, through. It's like the Death Star. You get this yeah. one little. You just it's an almost impossible shot, <laughs> and somehow it goes clean through. And then I'm, I'm then I'm through the the metal detector. <laughs> for, I have first they're the first pocket. they're mad, and then they're like, "Oh my god, you <laughs> actually god, did this guy!" I picked the pocket of the guy whose job it is to wave you through. I've got his wallet in my hand. You mean this watch? I've got I've got four passports. I'm like, get the fuck out of my way! And then you know, and then right in front of me, there's there's 14 grandmothers from Singapore who've never been on an airplane before, and they're all bringing holy water from Lords, and they're you know, and it's just like. Give me the fuck. So anyway, we would build a highway system yeah. with like junior highway over to the side, but then the tea party 
would have some referendum that reduces the you know the the the, the taxes on car tabs mm-hmm. so that we can't afford to have that guy in a booth who's like you sir are not you you sir sir you with the maserati you can drive the normal freeway you my friend in your in your volvo your volvo sedan not even a station wagon a Ugh. volvo sedan you are on the you're on the junior highway but no there would not be that person okay First of all, I would like to rescind that suggestion because it's stupid and costly and, and it's anti-super train in, in, in every meaningful way. So how about this instead? Here's my thinking. Uh, this is something that I ruminate upon a lot, which is this whole notion um, – you can call it a, a million different things. Uh, you know, Past is prologue. Yesterday's weather. We can tell a lot about what you will do in the future based on what you have or have not done in the past. This is something I, I nearly obsess over is people <laughs> thinking, you know, like in your case, for example, you got somebody who goes, oh, like in my head, you know, like I'm an angry guy with no penis and like I've imagined myself being in a lot of fights. So naturally I assume that I would be great in a fight, mm-hmm. but that guy's never been punched in the nose. That is not a black diamond lane guy. Right? right, you're talking about a lot of guys in tracksuits in the United Kingdom right now. <laughs> 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 they, have, they have shaved heads. They are wearing tracksuits. Tracksuits, tracksuits. They're called uh, chavs, I think. I don't know if it's ping pong, yeah. but but you know, I think tracksuits <laughs> denote different things in different places, even within the state of New York. But here's my you're thinking. Right. Here's my thinking. Okay, um, it, it is it is farcical to me how many things you just get to do with just a basic just the most basic uh, testing or, or approval, like for example, but like, let's say I'm trying to think of a good example, mountain climbing, uh, martial arts, uh, you know, to some extent, I don't know, I don't know if it works like this was skiing, but I mean, when you go into martial arts, if, if you're coming from another dojo and you say, Hey, listen, you know, I, I I'm a green belt in Taekwondo. They're not going to put you up against a four year old or Chuck Norris, because that's right. not an appropriate matchup. You're going to have to show, okay, well, let's show me some of your moves, and I'll, right. I'll tell you what belt you got. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's the problem. All of the money that we have poured, that we have literally poured into the TSA, there's a lot of thinking on the front end and not a lot of thinking on the back end. Mm-hmm. It's all hell breaks loose once you get past that that area. Everybody's running around with their belts in their shoes, sitting down. They're confused. There should be someone there grading them. And that should go on to some kind of a permanent record. I don't want to be totalitarian. I don't want to be Pol Pot, but I'm just saying. So you go through there and you say, hey, give me an idea. You, what kind of belt are you at, mm-hmm. at getting through here? You say, well, I think, I think I'm pretty good. If it takes you 45 minutes and you had souvenir gunpowder, you know what? Mm-hmm. Next time, <laughs> next time, you're going to be in a different lane. No, you know what happens at the end of that? They bend you over and they give you a tattoo. A tattoo? They give you a little tattoo and it's not, I'm not saying like a number on the arm. You're, but but doesn't, saying, that, doesn't that remove like the room for improvement in the future? I'm saying it's like a, it's like the way we grade beef. Mm. Are you choice? Are you prime? Mm-hmm. Are you are One you those, Chuck? Those phony are phony you, bologna Angus Kobe things? Are you, are you Chuck? I don't know. I, the lower grades, I'm not exactly sure what they are. Like dog John, food? It's, a, it's a black art, all that stuff, and yeah. a lot of it's just BS. You know the Kobe beef things. Uh, it's a jam up. That's not a real thing, right? You know that. The Kobe beef. Oh, don't get me started on the Kobe beef. But, 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 but th- is it like Copper River salmon, where it's really a thing? It's just not the thing that they make it oh, out to. Oh, you literally don't want to get me started on this. All the places <laughs> you go and they say, "Would you like one of the Kobe beef bangers yeah. or whatever? Uh, would you like a little uh, shooter slider?" And yeah, you go in there. Slider. Okay, first of all, that's not Kobe beef. Like Kobe beef, every piece of the fucking beef has a goddamn. I forgot I was going to quit cursing. 
Huh. Um, all, minute, do you have a curse jar? Mm, I'm trying to stop. Anyway, Why don't you put a curse jar on the thing and then okay. throw a quarter in every time? Oh, uh, God, I need a big jar. I'm trying to stop. Anyway, point being, every piece of beef, it's a long story, but basically there's a serial number for all hmm. Kobe beef. And, wow. and there are not air, enough air quotes. There literally can only be Kobe beef. This is beyond champagne. Right? Well, now I now I want some Kobe beef. I well, don't believe I've ever had it in You that go case. most places. Increasingly, the places who are being straight up with you will say Kobe-style beef. Uh, okay. Which so, just means they put some sugar water on it. Think of it this way. If you go through with your with your passport or whatever and, and they stamp it, right? There's still there's lots more pages in there. You think about something like uh like a like a report card. You think about a GPA. Yeah. I think there should be a way you can bring your grade up. Yeah. But if you got if you got straight Fs at Black Diamond Lane, you're not gonna you're not gonna come. You're, you know what? You gotta move. You gotta move to a different lane. I just love the idea of tattooing people because I, I just I, I feel like the next step is just hurting them into a soylent green machine. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is efficient. I feel like I you know this is the prop. This is why Hitler and stuff is such a popular part of our podcast mm-hmm. because I believe that you are kind of a eugenicist and I am just a totalitarian. Uh, like basically, uh, if you want to have a healthy body, I'm like a genocidal maniac. Well, you're not maniacal, John. You have yeah, you have, you have good right. days. I'm a calm. I'm a calm genocidal. <sighs> The thing is, you if the thing is to have a cardiopulmonary system, you need pulmonary and you need cardio. You need a heart and lungs. You can't you have it. them in obscurity. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a genocidal maniac, you're gonna want a eugenicist right right next to him. That's maybe right. With small, so, maybe with very small glasses. Yeah, to lean to lean over to lean over and whisper in my ear. Let's not do tattoos. Let's do a kind of a passport thing. And then I go, oh, right, right. That sounds good. John, John, um, tattoos have kind of already been done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, all right, passport thing. Good. No, no. Good. But, I, I but, you have to show, but you have to show that passport. All I'm trying to say is, like, I, I, I would fail in most meritocracies, but the fact that I accept my place in the meritocracy makes me better than almost everyone. Hmm. I understand that, like, when I'm with my kid, even though it drives me bananas, and I make her be as good at line as I am, nobody's good at line anymore. And and you want a child that's good at line. We go into the into the uh, you know the, the stupid family lane, but mm-hmm. because you know because I'm a gentleman, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there. That's but right. you know the fact is, there's nobody. All I'm saying is, there's nobody there who's verifying that anybody deserved to be there in the first place. I just you know what it is. Also, I just don't like tattoos. It's a, it's part of the problem. That's true. That's true. You're right. I don't like them either. Although. I think there are a lot of people with tattoos listening to our podcast who want their tattoo choices validated by us. And and I and I, I find that just, so hard to believe. I, I want to give a blanket validation to everyone who's listening who has a tattoo. I think your tattoo is amazing. You sound it's like somebody. You tattoo. sound like somebody who just came from Portland. <laughs> it's everybody else's tattoos I don't like, but your tattoo is amazing. Is the dream of the '90s really still alive in Portland? Oh my God. Uh, the dream, you know, the dream of the '90s, I think, is getting pushed. Further I'm sorry, I've been watching Portlandia. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting pushed further, further and further south. I think it's in Salem now. The dream of the '90s is insane. the dream is spreading. I don't know. You know I, there's, I a reason, there's a reason that there is no major city between San Francisco and, well, really, and Seattle. <laughs> Portland doesn't qualify. There is not a single Wait major a city. You're worried about people who listen to podcasts that have tattoos, but you're not worried about a place that's not even really in Northern California, all the way to Seattle. Everywhere in between, there are no major cities. Tell me, name a major city. Eureka. That's not a major city. You're right. I'm trying, Eureka, I'm trying to Eureka, keep us out of trouble. Eureka, Eureka is a place where they circled the wagons and then they nailed the wagons to the floor. Yeah. 
and they called it a town and they were like what do we call it i don't know let's give it a name that makes people want to come here that there's nothing there i mean in that same space between san francisco and seattle on the east coast there are a hundred million people living you got uh, megalopolises, right? You've got those yeah. corridors. It's a constant megalopolis the entire distance. From San Francisco to Seattle, there are more sheep than humans. There are more, I think there are probably more turtles you than got, there you are got, humans. You got, you got weed, you got death yeah. cults, you got mm-hmm. Republicans, yeah. and uh, then you move into beards. You got, lumber, you got lumberjacks, ex-lumberjacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got... <laughs> Ex- I think a lumberjack. That's like being a marine. There are no ex lumberjacks. Ex- some, some, some like lumberjacks who who like who saw the light. They were out there one day chopping down a tree, and they were like, "Wait a minute, the trees are our friends." Oh, so they start something like Trees Unlimited, where they yeah, want to make sure they keep the trees alive so they can keep cutting them down. That's right. Then they build a tree. They, that's they conservation. Like a We've talked about up in the this. Tree. Um, you know, I don't. Wavy I don't, gravy is out there living in a bus. Somewhere. I was at a party with Wavy Gravy once. Really, he seemed very self involved. Well, he is wavy gravy. He was wearing a tie-dye shirt. Yeah, that's his look. That's mm-hmm. his brand. Hmm. That's his brand. Mm. Mm. I just, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this. I spend a lot of time at Walgreens because there's a variety of things I need to get at Walgreens. I need my prescriptions. I need my I ice cream. Walgreens with you. I know how you are. Yeah, we bought, bought a cape. I bought a cape there. We bought a cape at our Walgreens. But I'll just bet you, dimes to donuts, that when you bought that handsome, handsome cape that I really hope you still have. I still have it. <sighs> See, here's the thing. When I go to Walgreens... Again, Eye of the Tiger. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I need to do. Of course, at Walgreens, they make it worse and worse and worse all the time because they they add like it seems like they replace the point the point of sale devices. Every point of sale device inclusive, it gets they all get worse every year. They get more complicated. They get more breast cancer buttons. There's more things that I have more dinguses dingai that I have to interact with. I just want to give you this money. And I want you to let me leave. Now, that's not yeah. bad enough, right? The people who don't understand, like, how to run the car, the stripe is this way. That's what the illustration is telling you. It's – there's always a lady there. There's always at least one 60-year-old Chinese lady arguing yeah. about an expired coupon at every Walgreens. I'm starting to think that she might be an employee. Hmm. And I just I, – I, and the thing is, it's part of the culture. I think arguing over coupons is a tentpole of the culture. <laughs> and we're all in this line. We just want to get our ice cream and move on with our lives. I think there should be – you know what? Maybe even a separate kiosk. There should be a coupon argument kiosk that you could go to. The thing is that that lady in San Francisco is a little is a little 60-year-old Chinese lady. Yeah. But in Florida, she's a little 60-year-old Jewish lady. Yeah. Like there, there is a – there is a, a a sixty year old lady thing that transcends all cultures. All across America, there are these ladies arguing about that same coupon, expired coupon, expired expired coupon. I just want, for a, I just want to clarify I want for to clarify. a thing she doesn't need or want. Yeah, and so, I and so yeah. I I personally think that the UFOs who live under the North Pole, who are controlling the world governments, mm-hmm. are sending out these kind of these scouts. They're, first of all, they're changing the cash registers, so they're impossible to figure out. Mm-hmm. And yet they're removing real human beings from cash registers. So at, little by little, we're being just herded, funneled into this like built-in frustration machine. It's like a retail abattoir. Yeah, here you go. You're going to sit here and you're going you're gonna to futz with this thing. It's never going to give you a satisfying response. Mm-hmm. There's going to be this, this, little, this plant, this little old lady arguing about an expired coupon. And all of this is so, it's some kind of preparation... It's preparing us for living aboard these alien cattle ships that are, hmm. are going to take us away 
And somehow, I don't understand their culture, but somehow on those ships, we're going to be required. Our compliance is going to be required. And this is a way that they're, this is how they're breaking our spirits. Okay. I'm sorry to say that I think I almost completely understand that, but I have a couple questions. So if I understand what you're saying, are the, 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 let's just say, I don't want to be ping pong, the, the aging will mine and their uh, expired coupons, are they aware? So first of all, you're saying they are a kind of emissary of the, uh, of the uh, sub uh, Arctic. Uh, they could. There's there's a couple of ways this is, this could go. They could be a sort of. You don't have all the they, details. A lot. Some of this is conjecture based on fact. They could be a Jeffrey Dahmer situation where the aliens have dripped acid into their frontal lobe mm-hmm. and made them not into like compliant sex slaves, but into like coupon coupon automatons. Co- coupon slaves. Just coupon slaves, where they they hand them a coupon and they go go try and get the go try and redeem this coupon, and the little lady goes. <laughs> And out she goes down the door, and then the next one comes up, and they're like, "Go try and redeem this coupon." And they just and then, but they've taken away some some crucial part of their brain. Or they could be. I mean, for all we know, they're clones. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I think they could very well be clones. They they could be clones. I don't see they a lot of diversity a- in that ecosystem. None of them are tall. They're all the same size. All the same size. They got the bucket hats. They John, could be. Oh. They could be another species. They could be, for instance, they could be goats. Taken a human form. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. If you wanted to create a, a super army of of like of psychotic killing machines, the thing is like, yes, you're gonna want somebody pliant, but first you're gonna want somebody big, strong, and psychotic. You can get them to be pliant through mind control, as we know, but I, you have to start with a form factor that's gonna work for what you want. And here's the thing they may not want to be killing machines per se in the way that you want, but they've got they're already kind of wired for that. All you need to do is get everybody pointing in the same direction. In this case, these ladies are more than happy to spend an entire, literally an entire morning arguing over a non-existent coupon for a non-existent discount for an item that's not in stock. I now, now I look at that as somebody who, who's not not uh, a part of the uh, you know part of the brood, and and I think that's that's a kind of a monkey balls way to spend your morning. But there, there's something going on here. They are incentivized. Mm-hmm. to spend Absolutely. that time and they're not well, arguing they don't look they don't look sad about it they look they well, look extremely focused here's my suggestion the store manager with whom they are arguing yeah also a clone <laughs> the entire thing is a is a is a passion play it's a tableau just for you and you are having you're having this emotional oh, and reaction all of a sudden i'm getting really used to that conversation going on for an hour that's right it is killing you softly with its song <laughs> It hap- I'm not going to file a complaint card. It happens so much that I would have to spend my day filling out complaint cards if I were eventually going to be on the interplanetary sea barge with the Chinese ladies and, and, and the psychotics and the UFOs. They're going to want me to be in a position where this is the kind of thing that I'm used to. Yes, he's used That's to standing right. in line. Yes, he's used to waiting. And yes, yeah. he's used to our emissaries. He's uh, used to overhearing this conversation so that it so that it seems normal. And when we hand him an expired coupon and say... Go try and redeem this. Right. He's going to feel like that's a normal thing. He's, I've, I've he's seen already, it. It's, it's, it's the new normal. Yeah. I've, he- I've heard this conversation. I know how this goes. I bet I can redeem this coupon. I don't, uh, I don't, feel, I don't feel great offering this up, but I would like you to be as honest as you're comfortable being. Do you think there's a chance that I might be a clone? 
I cannot imagine. I will keep doing this show as long as you want to do it. But <laughs> but have you ever gotten the sense that I might be a clone? I cannot imagine what they would have cloned. What 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 what, is, what they would have started with? What they would have started with to produce you? Like what what it would have had to have been? I can't no. I can't. I can't. I cannot picture the life form that they that the, the like the starter in the petri dish mm-hmm. that would have produced you unless something went horribly awry. <laughs> Unless it was a thing where it was like, like it was like, like a chocolate, chocolate and peanut butter accident. Where it was like Gary Busey, and then somebody like, oops, like it fell off the table, and they scraped it all back into the thing, and they got some like other stuff in there. Uh, well, I just want to say that you know I can be very critical of people who don't know how to do line, but I, I just want to be open to improvement opportunities, and and really honestly, I want to be open to whatever the future holds for me. Well, here's the thing. I what I'm what I'm concerned about. What I what the what the point of this podcast for me this entire time mm-hmm. has been to prepare you for your eventual role as a rebel leader. And really? I know really? that it, for real. Yeah, yeah. And I know it goes against your 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 identity, your self identity. I'm far from you, rebellious. That you will be a rebel leader, but I feel like I feel like this is what the force is telling me. Huh. And so. All of this has just been, it's been me trying to deprogram you, but I, and I, and I feel like now the cat's out of the bag. No, no. You could probably wipe this, yeah, right? maybe. There's a lot of mind wiping, you know? I'll have, I'll have to decide. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm- We can I'm, cut all this out. We'll cut all this out. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep moving <laughs> it out of the way. I, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, uh, it's just so frustrating. It's just so frustrating. You know, we'll be standing there and, and I, I try- I have in the past been a passive aggressive person and it's something I, I struggle with and I don't want to be that way. But sometimes my daughter and I will be standing in line and one of the clone people will come up with their expired coupons mm-hmm. and they, I will see them shuffling, shuffling toward the clone manager because they don't have a frontal lobe. That's why they shuffle. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. No, okay. And, no, and no I'll, lobe. no lobe. <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> and I, I will, I, I will, uh, I will say, Hi! <laughs> hi! To whom? To whom? Just to the sky? Shuffle clone. I'll say, hi! Oh, you say hi to her. We're all waiting in line back here. <laughs> Everyone here is in the same line. Hi! And then, and then, and then and they'll go like this. Aggressive. Can you see the smile I'm making? Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll say, and she'll say, and my, my daughter will say, well, let, let's go up there. I'll say, no, Eleanor, we're Americans, and we live in America, and we wait in a line. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, not yeah, in that yeah. way. I just mean that I mean that this, this is or should be. I, nobody likes waiting in a line. But yeah. when we stop waiting in line like Americans, that is when everything starts to – unless, of course, there's something that I should be picking up from this whole clone culture. And i, I got to be honest with you. I feel like I should go to Walgreens right now and just start opening my eyes or close well, them. Right. I, I, feel like, I feel like we wait in lines until you see – until you dis- until you discover the line that you do not want to wait in, like when 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 that line is leading into the belly of a giant spacecraft, mm-hmm. that's the line that maybe you need to. I, I you know I, I'm not saying you need to skip ahead, mm-hmm. but I'm saying judge every line at, uh, individually. Yeah, and also, <clears throat> I'm not I'm not super familiar with the Star Wars franchise, but it's my understanding that one way you make a rebel is is you screw with them. You mm-hmm. you uh, you unintentionally make a rebel. Like when you kill their aunt and uncle, 
and leave their, their smoking skeletons uh, behind at the desert igloo. That is right. one way to make somebody good and mad about wanting to join up with the rebels, don't you think? What are you, what are you rebelling against? That's the thing. Is I, I'm not sure what I'm rebelling against yet because maybe I haven't suffered that kind of loss. Maybe I am right. so comfortable waiting in line behind these sh- shuffle clones That's because right. I have not been adequately harmed to, to know what I should or shouldn't be doing. Talking to me for an hour once a week is the moral spiritual equivalent of having your the aunt and uncle who raised you uh, uh, charred and left smoldering in the on the like outside your underground hut mm-hmm. on a desert planet. That's my hope. I don't think I'm doing a good enough job. No, I think you're doing well, great. The same people uh, travel single file to disguise their numbers. <laughs> Last <laughs> night I was in a bar with a bunch of British people, <laughs> and the gut and the Portland bartender comes over and one of them and the one of the British people says, "Do you have?" a pilsner and the bartender says well um we have 42 beers on tap the closest thing we have to a pilsner is this ale that i think you'll find is really light hmm. and i was i was overhearing this i was sitting next to the person and i was listening to this conversation i was going that don't get that whatever he's saying right now do not get it that's not what you want. Well, because cause step zero, he didn't really answer the question. He did not answer the question. He didn't say no. And yeah, and the answer was no. The answer was no. And so what's your second choice? The answer is not find an ale that tastes like a pilsner. The answer is no, we don't have that, what you want. And so anyway, the, the, the obsequious bartender convinces the, uh, the British person this to This is try. somebody from Keene. This is somebody in the, in, in, who is a member of a British uh, pop, <laughs> a traveling pop band. Who are just, just excited to be in America. <laughs> convinces him to try this Portland-style beer that is made out of cranberries and, and you know... And biodiesel fuels. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, it's very hoppy, but you don't taste the hops. And it's very yeasty, but you don't taste the yeast. And it's like, Shut up. you know what? Fuck you. <sighs> anyway, the beer comes. The, the British person tastes the beer, and he says, this is reprehensible. This beer <laughs> is the worst thing I've ever had. And I go... Well, let's send it back. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm fine. Oh, dear. And I said, no, seriously. And he looked at me, looked me right in the eyes, and he said, I'm British. I will, I will drink this beer. I will endure this beer. And I turned around and I said, barkeep, come here. And the guy comes, you know, he waddles back out. And I'm like, this beer satisfies no one at the table. <laughs> Least of all me. And I don't drink. Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, what do I mean? What does it sound like I mean? It satisfies no one. No one likes this beer. No one likes it. And everyone else at the table is from England, and they're all looking at their fingernails. And the guy goes, what would you like? And I said, a Pilsner. And he says, we have it in bottles. I'm like, voila. And the beer goes away, and a bottle of Pilsner comes, and... and, uh, it's like it's like uh, it's uh, it's like the seas parted. Did and, you did you seem like a magician to them? And, and fishes turned to loaves, <laughs> or whatever it is that happens in that in the in that crazy book. And yeah, well, not a magician. What I seemed like was an American. Mm. They were all like, "Wow, that's incredible!" You know, like I that, and they resisted the urge, I think, to apologize to each other, or like they were they were apologizing to their fingernails or whatever it is that that people do when they when they are uncomfortable and don't have any agency 
But what happened was this te- this terrible beer that had been filtered through somebody's dreadlocks went into the sink. And what was what happened was the the pilsner that the guy had the whole time, but was in a bottle, arrived at the table, and it was like. I just I felt like on one hand I was dealing with Portland, which which is so far up its own ass now that it can't even deliver a beer when somebody orders it, and then on the other hand was this table full of British people that are just they're they're suffering from from a thousand years of of of, of, of from a thousand years of drinking a bad beer and not complaining. They've been through a lot. I mean, they have grandparents and maybe aunts and uncles who made it through the Blitz. They made it through the Blitz. It's That's, true. I mean, I, you know, they get a lot on the strength as far as I'm concerned for, for making it through that. That was a, that was a pretty tough go, as, was, they, say, you know, as they say I've in been, England. I've been reading a lot about the, the Norman Conquest. Hmm. And uh, that was a really, that was a, that was an interesting time. You know, it, it, there, there was a, there was, there was a period of, when I was in, the height of my like deep inside the university era, it was it coincided with a time when when uh, the people at least at my university were disparaging of the great man theory of history. They said, you know, history has always been the story of these great men, but that's bullshit. And uh, there are there were no great men. Uh, history is just this, or uh, just forces acting over time, mm-hmm. and and. It's uh, and there's a certain kind of inevitability to history, and uh, these people that we think of, like Stalin or, or whomever, uh, they're mostly irrelevant because it's really these sort of geopolitical and economic forces that are moving history through time. And I always, I always pissed on that idea, but you read about the Battle of Hastings, and it's. One of these moments where it's like these guys and those guys fought and the one guy's lost and England was forever changed. Like the guys who won, who were just a few thousand guys, they they marched to London and they were like, well, we killed your king and we won that battle. And so we're in charge now. And this French guy's the new king. And everybody went, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and it was, and it was, you know, for... For 300 years, they spoke French in, in the royal court, and it was a whole new, like, these new guys came in, and they were the new dukes and earls, and they took all the everything. And it was like, it happened one day. There was just one day, and then everything was different. And, uh, and that one battle turned on just uh, kind of one moment, even, like... There was a moment they were evenly matched and they were fighting and the one guys had horses and the other guys had shields and then the guys with the shields like kind of got duped a little bit and then the, the whole thing was settled, you know? And it's just like the English, my God, the stories they can tell. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, and it's a very pure idea of, of war in some ways. It isn't something where we're just going to try and move the ball forward a little bit. It's it's really it's a, it's a complete an utter victory, yeah. Really savage, overwhelming kind of victory. Yeah, the Normans came and they claimed that the Pope they 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 went to the Pope before they crossed the English Channel and they said, "Hey Pope, we think we have a pretty good case here for why for why we're entitled to to, to the English throne." And the Pope was like, "Yeah, sounds good." <laughs> And so when they show up in England, they're carrying the flag 
of the Pope. They got the Pope flag. And the and King Harold. That's the, that his, kind of thing's hard to fake, probably, right? Right. You get the Pope flag. That's mm-hmm. not a thing you're going to fake. So Harold and his uh, Danes or whoever, the, 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 the current king of England, they see the Normans land with the Pope flag and they're like, fuck. They got the Pope flag. And they start to doubt themselves. They're like, we don't have the Pope flag. Even though, it's, even though it's their place. It's their place, but if you don't have the Pope flag, it means God is against you. And they really seriously thought this to is themselves... 1066 now, when is this? 1066, and yeah. So, and, and this is... Uh, so are they still a Catholic nation at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's Catholic at this point. There is no other thing. And, uh, and they think to themselves, maybe they really doubt themselves. Maybe, the, maybe God doesn't... Maybe God doesn't want us. And also, what happened in 1066? Halley's Comet. Hmm. Really? Yeah. So they're looking up at the sky, and they're like, crazy star with a tail. What does it portend? And then the Normans show up with the Pope flag, and this is like two strikes. I think if you're, if you're I don't know a lot about English people, but if you're the kind of people who, who already are a little bit embarrassed about what you might be doing wrong, right. and you get a comet and a Pope flag... Mm-hmm. That's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna cut pretty deeply. If it, you won't send a beer back that you didn't order, yeah, you're gonna be a little bit like unmanned by the appearance of this pope flag and the uh, and the comet. So the pope flag ends up playing a big part in this. It's, it's something where is that then today that's probably not as effective, but just in general, you need if you have the equivalent of a pope flag going in, even today, you're gonna be in better shape. If I showed up at a party with a pope flag, I don't think it would accord me very much. Extra. Well, I, I, extra you mojo. know, I'm making air quotes around the Pope flag. Oh, but- right. If I showed up at a party with a 9.4 on pitchfork, <laughs> yeah, I think people would. They would. What would it cost to get Travis Morrison a Pope flag? I think. I don't think there's anybody that deserves a Pope flag and a French army more than. I think he should march march his narrow ass over to Chicago with a fucking Pope <laughs> flag and an army. <laughs> I think the ship has sailed on that. I'll never but forgive then, them. Never but, forgive them. But then, the, so the battle takes place, and on the one hand, the uh, the Normans they bring horses, and uh, they've got a cavalry, right? And the and the and the, the, the cavalry, cal- whatever, a cra- cavalry. <laughs> I would I wouldn't correct any other person in the world on that except for you. They got a cavalry. They got a personal Golgotha. A cavalry. Cra- anyway, and, the, and then the 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 king of England, Harold, and his British, uh, who are actually Danish, but let's that that's a different story. They don't have the horses, but they have uh, they have this technology, this shield wall, where they all stand real close to each other and they put their shields up. Oh, is this the Pikes thing where they they make a big solid block? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Normans had never seen this. They each had never seen the other's war. Isn't that, isn't that insane? You could go into war and like the way people screamed and carried their shields might just completely destroy your morale. Like totally throw you off. So they, so the, we're, so the we're Norm- utterly like we're, we are existentially and certainly technologically unprepared for dealing with this. It was it, it would be like somebody like the poison gas in World War One. Like this is a real curveball. This is a new one on us. Yeah. The Normans are used to swooping down with their horses and like, oh, everybody runs. And they come at this shield wall with their horses and the shield wall just stands there. And the horses get up to this wall of guys holding up their shields and the horses don't know what to do. The horses turn around or the horses like stop. And then the, and then the British hit them with the spears, the mm. long, long pikes. And it's like, oh shit, this is heavy. And then they, the horses run back. But 
The Normans had archers, and the British forgot their archers. They literally left their archers behind <laughs> because the archers couldn't move as fast or something. And so, rain of arrows comes down, shield wall goes up, horses, shields. I mean, basically, the British, all they had was the shield wall, but it was very effective. And they fight back and forth all day long. And this is a thing, this is an era when people fought battles that lasted for a half an hour. Like they went in, they kicked your ass, then, and, and, you know, and you had a leather hat, and they hit you with a sword, and the leather hat didn't do anything. And, well, you and, back, and back in those days, I mean, <clears throat> you would have these sort of limited resources, and if you just made a couple good holes, that, it, would, it might be all over, right? You that's could, right, you a couple fl- good could, holes. A couple good holes and a flank, and, and that's you know, game over. Game over. But they fought all day, these two armies. Oh, it's so brutal. Nobody was really winning. They were just brutalizing each other. And then, sort of the end of the day, people are getting tired. And, uh, and, and the turning point of the battle was the Normans did another one of these, like, attacks at the shield wall. And then they pretended, get this, they pretended to run away. <laughs> the Normans pretended to run away. And the British broke their shield wall to pursue them down the hill. Like, ha-ha, they're on the run! <gasps> and they, drew them in. they break the shield wall, they chase, they chase the Normans down the hill, and then the horses swoop around and cut them off. And then, oh, fuck. The shield wall was the only defense they had it was the only technology they had and they 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 broke it to pursue the the normans down the hill and then they realized their mistake and so the shield wall was really effective both in terms of of the surprise but primarily as a uh, a really strong defensive deterrent It, it wasn't an offensive weapon until you were attacked it was it was impenetrable, but in a situation like this, the burden of proof was on the Normans. They were the invaders. Mm-hmm. If they can't get past the shield wall, you're just going to push them into the ocean. But that's the thing. It's one battle. It's just it's like it's like five thousand guys here, five thousand guys there. The whole history of the nation, the whole history of the West, is like turns on this day. It lasted one day. That's bananas. And, and then the Normans were like, we win. And they they marched their Pope flag all the way across the country. And they were like, here we are. You guys clear your furniture out. We're, take, <laughs> we're taking everything. Hell on Z. And they, that's right. Hell on Z. And they did. They took everything. And then it's like, oh, okay. Now, and that's it. That's now it. Now this. Jeez Louise. And the Pope flag, everybody, you know, you carry a thing like that around. I mean, that odd King Harold, let alone just some country bumpkin somewhere, some, you know, some hobbits living in the <laughs> central England. I bet, and I bet it made the Pope proud once the news got back to him that his flag had been so effective. Ta-da! That, that must have buoyed him. I bet, I it, bet, I bet he did. felt strong, more, more strongly than ever about the flag bearers at that point. Everybody heard that story and they were like, Pope flag. Respect. Hmm. There's just part of me that really wishes public TV were still good because you could have a James Burke style run. On there, <laughs> I mean, there's well, no, there's no telling well, the cable. You, it could be a cable thing. I mean, I guess you could have some kind of an independent production, but let's let's reinvent it. You know, all all, all of our friends now have these NPR shows. Yeah, it's like uh, NPR for years was this unassailable tower. 
It was this ivory tower full yeah, of Yeah, they're, they're giving away public radio shows like, you know, McDonald's gift certificates at this Yeah, point. now you're just waltz in there and you say, I'm I'm a guy, I've got a mustache, give me a public radio show. And they do. I have an inoffensive uh, sardonic wit. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we, we could do that? Radio. We could we could uh we could do that. Yeah, this is also the problem with the ad ads. You know, I mean, in retrospect, you the know, ad ads, you mean like the, the big walkers. Big, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it seems so obvious now. You know, it's it's uh y- y- when you're making these uh especially like what with like early tanks and stuff like that, right? Early tanks, now the early early tanks didn't have treads, right? They were they were basically just like uh difficult to p- to maneuver trucks. No, I, the, the 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 early tanks got treads pretty fast because they were. You learned you learn that lesson pretty quick. Yeah, they made their introduction in World War One, and uh, and a tank with uh, wheels was going to get mired. Mm-hmm. The treads were were the were one of the big innovations. There was no there was no battle of like the Monitor versus the Merrimack of tanks. <laughs> no armor, <laughs> armored con- conestogas. Where they were just like boats that they kind of half sank. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the tanks tanks were were pretty fully realized pretty fast. They what they didn't have initially was big guns. They just had machine guns. It was just like a it was oh, like, like a like little they didn't ha- have like long range artillery. Yeah, it guns. was just a house with machine guns that you could move into the other guy's front yard. And it was only later that they were like, you know, we could put a big cannon on this too. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. It wasn't just a way to like have this um, this hulking thing that could move across the field without getting blown up. It, it would, in that case, it would be almost like more like a transport or a de- defensive weapon. You're saying that that was a big development, putting the gun on there. That, that, yeah, it seems was, like they well, would have thought of that up front. It, it was a thing where they, they they had this. They were fighting in trenches, and they were like, "How do we get? How do we break this stalemate? They've got a trench. We've got a trench. They're, anytime we send somebody out in the middle there, they just get turned to hamburger. The barrier to entry in a trench war is low, and, and the cost is high. That's right. So they were like, "Let's make let's make a bulldozer that has." A t- uh, that has a house on it, a metal house. <laughs> we'll put a metal house on a bulldozer. What about that? And they're like, yeah. We can do that. <laughs> what if we put machine guns in it? A metal house with machine guns. Then we drive it over their barbed wire, and then we just park there and shoot them. Yeah. Good idea. Who was that? They- is that? Is that, is that the, uh, the that Americans? Was, that was that was uh, Joe Tankerstein. Mm-hmm. That's where it got its name. William Tecumseh Sherman Tank. <laughs> William William Tanker Tankers Tankerstein Jensen uh, No, I don't. You know, I don't know what. It, well, I don't know. Was it Pershing? No, we're mm. just naming generals now. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it uh, uh, Grant Clemenceau? Uh, did you no. see that uh, Lincoln movie? I haven't seen it yet because, um, well, for a lot of reasons. But but my my thing with uh, Daniel Day Lewis is. I like to wait for the smoke to clear before I go see a Daniel Day-Lewis movie. Tell me more. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis... He, you, think uh, he, you think he gets a pass? There's a, lot, there's a lot of reasons why somebody like me would be suspicious of Daniel Day-Lewis, but I am not. I will go see Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> well, just as a hypothetical, excluding yourself, why would somebody like you be a little suspicious of Daniel Day-Lewis? Well, there's a... There, the, the, his method... Do you, do you think my method is unsound? I don't see any <laughs> method. method is unsound. a bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's basically he's basically the Colonel Kurtz 
of, of Hollywood. Oh, okay. And so I he's feel- like one of those De Niro inhabit the role kind of guys. And well, he-, he goes way past that. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel he like actually cut off, cut off his left foot, you know? He did. I think, yeah, he, for, for the Lincoln role, he had his foot, he had his he, foot gained 50 pounds for the role. He actually, he went and lived in a, in a log cabin in, uh, Illinois for 25 years preparing for this role. But no, I will go see it. You know, the only thing, the only redeeming feature of Gangs of New York <laughs> was Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> that was a weird movie. It was a terrible movie, but Daniel Day-Lewis was, I, I thought, transcendent. I would have just, if they had cut everything else out and just showed Daniel Day-Lewis for a half an hour, I would have What about that... uh, There Will Be Blood? <sighs> the problem with there, there Will Be Blood is the way that movie starts with that, there's like this sound, this, this violin sound, this hmm. like crazy making violin sound at the very start of the movie. And it just turned me against the film for the, the whole rest of the film. I was like, why hmm. do they have that sound? So, well, that was a weird movie. That was a, that was a, that was a terrible sound to start this movie off with. And hmm. I, and, and I object. You're sensitive, a, you're sensitive to sound. Not sensitive, but you're, you know, you're manly about it, but you know, a, a sound could put you off. A sound can put me off a film. There yeah. are a lot of things that can put me off a film. Like oh, a brother. The reason I mention is that uh, it starts out, I guess, like um, you know, like Private Ryan. It starts out with uh, a really gruesome slow motion civil war battle. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Now but I really want to see it. It's one of those, you know. It's it's again. It's uh, I, I, at some point I'd like to return to your feelings about things like drones, it, it, if you're comfortable with it, because it mm-hmm. seems like it's kind of becoming a thing. And I'd like to. I, I know you're not into what uh, I believe you've called chicken shit fighting with, mm-hmm. with things like like far away shooting and drones but boy you really get a sense of what hand-to-hand combat really means that you're oh, really terrible. you're just sitting there and hitting somebody on the head and stabbing them with a knife until they die and that is that is what war should be and should always be to techno uh, this is my problem with it uh, the, as we become technologically able to get away from war then it becomes b- b- ridiculously easy to to go blow people apart. You know, the, the people on the receiving end of a Sidewinder missile fired from a drone by a, by a U.S. Air Force captain who's sitting in a trailer, an air-conditioned trailer outside of Las Vegas, Nevada, the person on the receiving end of that Sidewinder missile is just as blown apart. It's, it's just the guy that fires the, that fires the missile that suffers no consequences. But the, uh, you know, my, my feeling, Merlin, is that that rather than upscale, upsize war, supersize war, we need to return to an era of neighborhood stick fights. <laughs> <laughs> neighborhood stick fights. Neighborhood against neighborhood. We need to we need to institutionalize this in America. We need to stop playing football for one. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's a big distraction, John. Football is a tremendous distraction. That and that all that energy could be better channeled into neighborhood stick fights. And, so, and, and, and it, would, it seems to me that it would have to be sticks that you can find in your neighborhood. You should oh, not be able to Amazon Prime a better stick because that defeats the purpose of the neighborhood stick fight. Absolutely. And the thing about a neighborhood stick fight is that joining the neighborhood stick fight team is 100% voluntary. Now, stick hmm. with me through this. Mm-hmm. If I put up posters in my neighborhood that said, neighborhood stick fights, we are going to go down the hill and we... we all of us up here in Rainier View are going to get a little gang together and we're going to go down the hill and we're going to have a stick fight on the football field with the, all of those assholes in Columbia City and Hillman City. 
Now, who would be attracted? Who would show up to that meeting? The answer, every asshole in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it would be a self-selecting process. The people who would be interested in being on the stick fighting team are the violent idiots yeah. that are precisely the people in my neighborhood that I would, A, want fighting on my on my behalf, team. and B, the mm-hmm. people in my neighborhood that I would want killed or injured. Hmm. Like the, it, it is, it, it is, it is a natural selection process. We would pit neighborhoods against one another in self-selecting voluntary stick fighting teams. It is, but it is fighting, literally with sticks, mm-hmm. until the other or team organic, is, organic, locally sourced sticks, whatever stick you can find, the best stick you can find, until the other team is too injured or dead to continue okay i got two questions b mm-hmm. if you win the neighborhood stick fight and you like their sticks better can you keep them kind of like when beta ray bill gets thor's hammer is that, is that okay you okay. Take, the, take the other sticks okay and then a here's the poignant part mm-hmm. first of all if I, if I could say uh a one i i think it would be useful to have that poster not not in a in a faggy way but make mm-hmm. it have multiple languages on it because you're in ext- an extremely diverse neighborhood that's exactly right. If you want right. the Samoans exactly right. to show up, you're going to have to put Samoese on there. Samoese, yeah. You would have it in Vietnamese. You would have it in mm-hmm. Spanish. I don't think you would black. get a lot. Uh, you would have it in black language, yeah. I don't think you would get a lot of of uh, of Hispanic stick fighters, but there would be a few. Okay. I think there would be a lot of Vietnamese guys. You could tell them there'll be cool cars there. No, no. You know what? The thing is, these are these are these are these are fighting men and women, and you don't want to lie to them. My only thought is this, and this is the poignant part: is Yes, most of the people are going to be there for the stick and the fight, but I want to know more in, in the movie about this. I want to know more about the people who are there for the neighborhood part because that, that's when you're going to have the surprising old and lame ladies show up and say, yes, I don't want to have to fight with a stick, but I feel very strongly about our neighborhood. That's right. I've always hated Hillman City. And Hillman I'm gonna- City, are, I, they're assholes. The thing is, so so you have you have these you have these situations where every once in a while a little old lady tries to get in there, but you know it's a neighborhood situation. So so once the once Hillman City once you once you've kind of like pulverized them, yeah. then the little old ladies come out and they kick they kick them in the groin or whatever it is little old ladies do. They they come <gasps> argue with them about an expired coupon. What if? What and if then the, the little... winner of that fight yeah. goes on to the regionals, and will you know the winner of that fight fights like. Uh, Fights Cherry Hill or whatever, although there's just a bunch of Seattle U students up there, nobody worth. That sounds fighting. like an easy stick fight. West Seattle, that 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 would be a hell of a stick. And fight. like, would aldermen come and like wear robes? Oh, absolutely! And mm. you would do this periodically. It would cl- it would clean out all the bad blood. It you got would, you got to have a war every few years. Got to have a war, yeah. and then you're then the Seattle, the victorious Seattle stick fighting team would take on Portland's top stick fighting team and you would just go all the way to the super Please. bowl of stick fights mm-hmm. <laughs> where presumably every year it would be pittsburgh pittsburgh versus oakland but now we're back to the football problem <laughs> but the thing is it's not football it's, it's stick, stick fighting. fighting you're literally beating each other to death okay do if i if you can say do you think that maybe in your neighborhood is there a feisty but beloved old lady could you think you could find a feisty, maybe just beloved? Beloved would be fine. She doesn't have to be feisty. She could be acquiescent. But if you find a feisty lady and she gets killed in a neighborhood stick fight, you got a pope flag on your hands. Now you've got a mandate. You've got a martyr. You've got you've got a Golgotha that you can put on the flagpole. That's you right. follow? 
Yeah, absolutely. Rainier View would be unstoppable because you've got we would your have... uh, horse, uh, horse. Uh, what's it? The uh, what's the song? What's the song? Horse, uh, uh, horse vegan league. You know, <laughs> you know the song. <laughs> there was this guy, horse vessel, horse vessel league. Yeah, yeah. is that am I saying that right? Am I having a stroke? I don't. They <laughs> Do tarted up toast? this story about horse vessel supposedly yeah. being killed. What by Jews? Right. Of course. And that became like the most that, violent of all people, the Jews. They did it. They did. Uh, uh, we will rock you. We are the champions thing. Where it was, it was uh, Deutschland Uberalis and Horse Vessel lead. Yeah, which is, I think the lyrics are pretty bad. I think didn't they take like an old song and make oh somebody killed Horse Vessel? Probably. Yeah, it was a basically Jew. like it was. It's basically John Denver's career. But you, <laughs> Horse Vessel lead. If you go and you watch that uh, Riefenstahl movie, I, I don't even yeah. know. This I'm speaking all this phonetically. That they sing it. They sing it. People know the words to the Horse yeah. Vessel lead. Hell, hell, yes, they do. Right? You need a Horse Vessel lead for a beloved old lady <laughs> in your neighborhood that people can sting, sing at neighborhood stick fights. But I'm telling you, if she doesn't you had... really have to die. You could fake it. You could fake it. No, you wouldn't want to fake it. That's You'd true. want her to really die. You'd want people to really have a little bit of a you know. You'd want to dip that flag in her blood. Ah. Oh. The thing is, if you had if you had shit like that going on, there would be a lot fewer invasions of Iraq. I'm Ugh, guessing, and so many fewer morbidly obese men buying era official football jerseys. Well, and all of these assholes. they'd be all of buying these, neighborhood stick fight shirts. All of that your they probably NRA guys, all of your all of your Ted Nugents, <sighs> like Ted Nugent. The problem of Ted Nugent would have been solved 25 years ago because he would have felt compelled. By his constant macho rhetoric, he would have felt compelled to prove himself on the stick fighting field, and he would have gone out there and gotten his ass handed to him mm. by some by some guy who had had his frontal lobe dissected uh, and was potentially a clone. Nugent, <laughs> Nugent would have been impaled on a stick but 25 the, years the ago. The clone wanted it more. The clone wanted him more. He, he, sure, he he's sitting around doing pull offs and and bar chords, and yeah. here comes a man who literally has no no frontal lobe. He's being controlled by aliens or possibly ladies with coupons to live under Antarctica, Arctic, exactly. Arctic. And any the point the point is that like you can bring all the crossbow you want, but you get a man, a motivated man with a pope, pope flag and a stick, and he's going to make a journey to the center of your goddamn mind. It's like Moose from Archie, right? Mm. The, Nugent against Moose. Mm-hmm. Oh, Flash Thompson. Me, yeah. T- mm-hmm. Tell me when was the last when was last even halfway decent Ted Nugent album? Yeah. It coincided about the time that he that Nugent should have died on the on the on the <laughs> stick fighting field. Stick <laughs> and somewhere in Detroit there would be a Pope flag with Nugent's face on it that had been dipped in his blood and they'd be fighting for Nugent to this day. And 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 all of the impoverished neighborhoods of Detroit. You know the thing is I know you have a soft spot for Detroit and a scared spot to some extent, but imagine how that city could be revitalized if they would pick up some sticks. I mean, just the civic pride that they could bring back. It would certainly get rid of a lot of the malingerers. I don't know if they have good sticks in Detroit. I think it's all, oh, they, uh, it's all automatics now. Here's the, uh, here's the translation of the Horace Wessel song. Flag high, ranks closed. Already sounds like a neighborhood stick fight. The SA marches with silent, solid steps. Mm. Hmm. Comrades shot by the red front mm. and reaction. So comrades are shot both by the red front and the red reaction. 
Comrades march in spirit with us in our ranks. So their dead comrades are marching with them. Okay, so it, it's the it's the socialists. It's not dead the, com- it's the communists, who, not the Jews that did this. Well, but see, Jews and communists, there's no distinction yeah, there. Yeah, peas and carrots. The street free for the brown battalions. Well, they're not, not talking about brown skin. They're talking about brown shirts. Mm-hmm. The street free for the stormtroopers. Not talking about Star Wars. Talking about Nazi stormtroopers. <laughs> Millions full God, of hope. I wish PBS were good. <laughs> Millions full of hope. Look up at the swastika. The day breaks for freedom and for bread. A little bit of bread in there. A little bread in circuses for the masses. Mm-hmm. So the guy that's listening to this, they're, they're marching by. The guy listening to it, and he's like, yeah, but what, what, is this, what good is this for me? Mm-hmm. And then they say bread at the end of that verse. And he's like, oh, right, bread. I'm into bread. There's a lot of a lot of that's verse two. Oh yeah, keep, you'll keep going. For the last time, the call will now be blown. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Blow the call. Blow the call. Okay. They're not talking about NFL refs. <laughs> They're talking about blowing. You are in. your own Norton anthology with footnotes. <laughs> They're talking about a horn blowing the call in in a in a ram's horn mm-hmm. we're not talking about the new wave band the but call not, but, but not not a ram's horn like they use in the jews we're not talking not about a, a horn on a car not a jew horn not a jew horn not a Different. show show far show good <laughs> for the struggle now we all stand ready soon we'll fly hitler flags over every street <laughs> like a pope flag <laughs> this is a hitler flag soon we'll fly hitler flags over every street Slavery will last only a short time longer. Oh man! Right? They're implying, of course, slavery to the to the Jewish communist overlords, but they're also leaving a little wiggle room in there. Slavery will last only a short time longer, but they don't they don't specify how much longer. That's like the universe being created in seven days. You know what I mean? Like slavery, we might have to have a little bit of slavery too. But just a Could little bit. Could you imagine being a Weimar era genius and having to hear those lyrics? Could you uh, uh, Could you imagine being like Kurt Vile and having to sit around and listen to that shit? Yeah, sitting in sitting in your like ornately decorated, like, like, like sitting sitting there with this, just the, the 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 ease with which so many of the artistic geniuses of that decade created so much amazing stuff that should have lasted. They're they're the ones that should have lasted a fucking thousand years. Yeah. You're in your Findusical apartment. You have your beautiful like climped paintings on the walls. You're taking a little bit of snuff off of your extra Ugh. long pinky fingernail. You got a radio. These, these ding dongs are out in the street outside marching, singing this asshole song. I, you know, I will give Ugh. I will give them. I will I will give them that that, that might not be a generous translation as with stuff like let's say like like beethoven's like ode to joy when, when you hear it, it when you hear the words in english it's certainly not nearly as cool so yeah. i'll give them that maybe that sounds great with with a Marshall beat you know but 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 but, but that's terrible terrible lyrics and, and and for the amount of specificity that went into that it was not really that historically useful and, and it was not really that rousing a fucking hitler flag over every street over every street that part came true yeah, but, yeah. I, I I guess so. You know why they got the brown shirts, right? Yeah, they got them all. Uh, they they got them bulk. They were uh, they were <laughs> they got, they got them at a thrift store. They got them, no, I think they, <laughs> exactly. I think a bunch of people said like, we don't need. Let's drop these off at Das Goodwill. 
Yeah, they were the summer. They were the unused summer uniforms left right. over from World War One. That er- were sitting. Er- Ernst, Ernst Röhm and his longtime companion were walking through thrift stores. They were doing what was called das thrifting. Das thrifting. And they said, "Ach du Lieber, look das at all of these sh- shirts off brawn, Scheisse. Yeah, <laughs> shirts off brawn. Yeah, they were like, we can get these for pennies on the dollar. Uh, but you know what the you know what the innovation was? It's a Kornzimmerwagen for brown shirt stores <laughs> in Scheisse. The, in, the innovation was not the brown shirt. The innovation mm-hmm. was the black tie. Oh, it's a it's a smart, super duper gay look. You know what I mean? Like brown yeah. shirt, sure. You look like a you look like a lion tamer at the zoo. But you put a black tie on that. <laughs> you, look, you look like a docent. <laughs> it really pops. Yeah, that black yeah, tie yeah. Pop. And those fruity hats. It's. I hate the hats. Uh, a lot of thought went into that. There's a, there's actually a, a whole book. I never I never finished it, but there's a whole book about the like homoerotic, like I, of course they would never say it was deliberate, but but like the SS uniforms, man. You know who you know who was one of the main tailors of the SS uniforms? Uh, Hugo Boss. What? Hugo Boss made. There's a real now, Hugo Boss. Hugo Boss did not. He didn't design the Nazi uniforms, but the Hugo Boss company and Hugo Boss. What were one of the main manufacturers of Nazi uniforms? But you know who made those ties? Leather trench coats and stuff. Bear. Bear. Mm-hmm. Bear. Bear. Farbenscheisse. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the aspirin makers. Bear. Right. Krupps. Bear. Krupps made the made the hats. They made the they made those little blender milkshake makers. Braun made the shirts and the razors and the razors. And the uh, Volkswagen made the shoes. That's right. And yeah. nobody made the trains run on time. Mm. My God. I need a fucking Pope flag. I got to quit cursing. You know, I need a Pope flag too. I, I, I thought for a while that it was going to be this Boba Fett, uh, life-size Boba Fett helmet on a, on a popsicle <laughs> stick. But, but nobody rallied. Like a head on a pike? Yeah, nobody rallied to me. I was, I'd wave it around and people would just 